0: From the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing, this is World of Wonders' WOW Report. Things that make us go
1: wow. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of the WOW Report. I'm Vincent Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder. Reunited with Tom Campbell, our Chief Creative Officer. good to be back. It's good to see you. And James St. James, editor of the WOW Report. Oh, hi, James. Oh, hello, Don. We are doing what we normally do, counting down the top ten things of the week that made us go... Wow! Uh, it's our last show of the summer, officially, according to Blake. So, let's start the countdown. Number ten, Tom.
0: Number ten.
2: Cheryl Lee Ralph's acceptance speech at this year's Emmy Awards. I happened to be in the room it was an amazing thing to watch it on tape is as good as being in the room. Um, there's, I, I was just set up by saying, you, you know, why do we still have award shows? Because we crave that maybe once or twice in a lifetime, a speech as compelling as Shirley Ralphs
1: happens.
3: <laughs> wow.
1: Um, <laughs> did you guys see it? I did, yes. I, she sang a song, right? Yes, it's a song. She got first up and all, did a little
3: tap dance and sang, and then shuffled off. First of all, what you couldn't
2: sense is, you know, they they list the nominees, and in the room you can tell who's going to win just by the the cheering, and not surprisingly, but Charlie Ralph got a huge amount of applause, and we love her for some reasons drugging into, but when she won she got up there you know and by the way in the room again you're like listen you have 45 seconds and then we're going to play this music and then we're going to play that music and we're going to talk about that later i think but you know you are very i'm as an audience member i'm watching the clock i'm like is everyone going to like she's taking too much time to get to the table she skits up there she looks as beautiful as she's ever looked with she's the, in her with that diamond hairdo yes she's in her 60s she looks amazing she has such presence always has and she stops And she sings, it's a song by Diana Reeves called Endangered Species. And I won't sing it, but I am an endangered species, but I sing no victim song. I am a woman, I am an artist, and I know, and she held no till they got applause, where my voice belongs. And just that alone, it makes me, I don't know, I have a lot of feelings around Cheryl Lee Ralph, good ones. And then she just thanked, and she, you know, in, in, uh, almost like a sermon, she just thanked everyone. She had humor, she, she thanked everyone. It's, uh, it, you know, I used to have to watch, and I still will, Susan Lucci's accept daytime uh, Emmy acceptance speech to be reconnected with my soul. Now I have a three minute version with Cheryl Lee Ralph. Did they play the uh, playout music? Did they cut she, her off? She, I, I think the people in the booth are smart enough to know this is yeah. a moment for all time, and they let her be.
3: You know, I was going to do a, one of the topics was going to be about music playing people off and how they had the sense to let Cheryl have her moment. Yeah. And they tried to do that to Jennifer Coolidge and they tried to play her off. And Jennifer just started dancing and stole the moment for herself and kept going. I also think it's great that they have the little chirons playing at the bottom of the screen now that you can submit all yes. your things in advance so that it allows you to be creative in your thing. I don't know if I like the idea of playing people off. I think it's rude, but the opposite is, is that you get long winded bloviators up there who just go on and on and on. The director and on, and on. I don't won know what the, the Emmy, answer
2: is. I think the director who won the Emmy for Ted Lasso said, said it right. She goes, No one wants to hear someone not famous thank all
3: their family. She
2: said that about herself. Yeah, <laughs> it's
3: true. It is true and unless you are
1: a good good speaker and you can yeah. and you can do it then sometimes it just i don't know but anyway Maybe but, the way but, to do it is to have the audience vote for when it gets cut off like, like in, that <laughs>
2: that's why Let's that's uh, why uh,
1: Wonder needs to produce the next
2: emmys i just want to say two things about charlie Roth, for those who don't she was the original dina jones in dream girl she was the beyonce part on broadway which was my first musical i ever saw in 1982 changed my life she has so much presence and for 32 years, she has hosted a benefit called Divas Simply Singing, an AIDS benefit she has been doing for 32 years. And I was just doing some research on it, and now she has ABC as a sponsor. I think it might even actually be on some ABC stations because, of course, she's a huge star now in a- 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 Abbott Elementary.
3: So, and I do. I want to say that I caught I, the first episode. I came on this show, and I said Cheryl Lee Ralph is going to get an Emmy. I, I called it. So many of these, I have to just go back and in yeah. time and say, I told you so because I called almost every single one. It's
2: fantastic. So I bow at Shirley Ralph and, and do yourself the favor, run, don't walk to the wow report to see Cheryl Lee Ralph's acceptance. If you haven't seen it already, from the Emmy Awards
1: this year. Fantastic. All right. Number nine, James.
0: Number nine.
3: Uh, I finally went to go see the Alexander McQueen exhibit at LACMA, which is the first uh, exhibit of his clothes on the West Coast ever. And it is both underwhelming and really spectacular at the same time for okay. different reasons. Sadly, uh, the collection was sort of lackluster. It was all from one woman, a woman named Regina Drucker, who is a philanthropic Pasadena woman. And she has donated her entire closet to LACMA. And she has Fortuny gowns. And she has Charles James and Balenciaga's and stuff. But she also has the largest collection of Alexander McQueen's outside of the McQueen studio archives. But all of her outfits are sort of the pedestrian day dresses and things like that. She doesn't have the showstoppers that the Met had that the, the Met exhibit had. So it's a lot of really beautifully made garments that are sort of fabulous, but they aren't, you know, the giant, 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 the jaw dropping ones. What was jaw dropping though, was that night fever guest, Michael Schmidt, who is on this week's episode of night fever (laughs) Did all the headpieces for it? Every single mannequin wow. had Michael wow. Smith did the headpieces, and they are woven twigs in elk's antlers. He did these wing; he knit these cable knit wings coming off the head. They are. He did like mosaic tiles going up into giant uh, like beehives, and I mean just unbelievable unbelievable stuff and if you go go for michael schmidt's headpieces they are absolutely stunning they will blow your mind i think McQueen himself would be a gog over these so uh listen to our night fever podcast this week on spotify or apple and go to lacma if you happen to be in town to see michael schmidt's handy work James and James,
2: when did you become the Disney Corporation? When when everything (laughs) is so seamlessly as synergistic, how did that (laughs) happen?
1: Jumptails, yes. (laughs) Uh, James, why is it called Mind Mythos Muse? That's such a pretentious name for an exhibition. Well, you
3: know, I mean, all exhibitions are, you know, you, you, we remember from doing the gallery, we would come up with the most pretentious. I think we had owlism in America when we had a bunch of watercolors, pictures of some owls. Um, but I think the muse is, you know, that he, you know, had some very specific muses in mind is Blow, everything. What was mythos? He a lot. So much of it is like the things
1: that he is inspired by are these giant myths.
3: And because, problems. yeah,
1: mythos is like, just say myth. But, no, mythos is like takes it to another level, right? Just mm-hmm. suddenly in the presence of mythos. Yes.
3: Well, it is all. I mean, it's all a bit pretentious. Fashion
2: oh, is pretentious.
1: Right, right, right. Museums are pretentious. Make it all pretentious. Speaking of number eight, I want to talk about the queen. Number eight. I'm we talking about Our Lady of Gaga. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. I wanted James to say, oh, for fuck's sake. Hey, yeah. oh, anyway, okay. yes, Our Lady of Gaga. Oh, uh, Queen, <laughs> Queen Joanne, Queen Thank Stephanie. You. Thank you, Tom. I love you so much. Thank you. <laughs> um, yes, she played at Dodger Stadium. Shocked me was, I've never been to Dodger Stadium. This is really? my <laughs> first time at Dodger for for a Lady Gaga concert, of course. And um, it was pretty good, right? I mean- Pretty
3: good. It's supposed to be the best emotion most
1: amazing concert that's ever been put on stage without mm. out doing Beyonce. You know, it was a bit mythos. Mind mythos <laughs> used. Um, it started off with a bang. She did Bad Romance, Poker Face, Just Dance. You know, boom, boom, boom. That's incredible. Although, although she was literally interred in a pharaonic like coffin outfit. That had to be sort of disassembled to reveal her trapped on the inside. There's all that sort of German expressionist stuff, you know, big, bold graphics, brutal things. And okay, it's okay, but it doesn't like... I kept on thinking, unkindly perhaps, I kept on thinking she's not Madonna. Because I think Madonna's shows always were these visual, and I, I say were, always these visual extravaganzas and even those little bits of film that Madonna would play, they would be edited and they'd be jerky. And, and I, I love Gaga's aesthetic. It's just not as slick as Madonna.
3: She's still clunky after all this time. It
1: was a little, it was in a, in a, in a lovely way, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the important piece of this. When she sat down at the piano which for some reason best known to anyone else was kind of done up as a bird's nest with tubes and twigs, whatever. <laughs> when she sat down at piano and did Born This Way, Shallow, Edge of Glory, so good. Edge so of Glory powerful. on a piano?
3: That's interesting.
1: Yes, as a slow ballad. Wow. It was really powerful. And she was so good at going from that, speaking to the audience while tiddling along at piano, those three songs, it was worth going just for those three. And um, I heard the same thing from from my friend Ethan, who
2: went. He's, he loved the whole concert, but he thought that... Didn't she come forward or something on the piano? Yeah. She changed positions, and he yeah. felt like he just got such a huge dose of Gaga. Well, her, no, but I have power.
3: seen Gaga with you, Fenton. I've gone to a Gaga concert with you. How does it compare? Has she... Remember, we, I thought we were so blown away during the...
1: Was it Born This Way concert, or... Yeah, I I it I think partly when you're in a giant stadium of sixty thousand oh. people, if you're not there are only a few seats in that stadium that are ideal and we were sort of down low, so you can actually always see the dancers, you know, and, right. and you were watching the screen a lot. I mean it was it was a spectacle, no question. But well, I found myself musing about, you know, with the queen herself being dead and all the pageantry that's going on about that and all the sort of it just all the sort of uh, backlash, I suppose, about the Queen. It just struck me that uh, pop concerts are these exercises in deification. They're sort of like they're sort of like Hitler rallies, you know, that Lenny Reprise style. But does um, the whole
3: idea of they <laughs> really?
1: I, mean, um, I know it's out of context, joke. this give me some really ugly quotes from this podcast. <laughs> well, you know. Look, here's the point. I know that the whole idea of pop and deification is it's meta and it's not to be taken seriously. But there is this sort of underlying fascist thing that's being expressed through these military spectacles where it's about scale and precision and ultimately all about one person that you're just focused on one person i'm not critiquing gaga as a as a monster royalist or anything i'm just saying it's human nature i think don't you
3: find that with the death of the queen and all the pomp and circumstance surrounding that and the majesty and blah 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 that there's a backlash to it and the whole idea of that type of of fascist uh you know pageantry feels antiquated and that's sort of maybe what uh, gaga hasn't quite realized yet is that you do need to oh, probably scale down in 2023 i think like, ritual
2: is so deeply embedded in our dna and i think i think yeah. we crave it i think we can rebel against it and say what we want i think ultimately we crave it
1: Exactly. I, I think we rebel against it. We tear it down. But then it pops back up in a new iteration. That's kind of what I'm saying. But, but
3: The wrong people are getting the majesty in the pomp when we had Trump and in his majesty and pomp and then the queen who, you know, for all intents and purposes was
1: uh, a terrible person if you go on Twitter. Um, well, I would recommend not going on Twitter because I don't think she was a terrible person. She was born into a set of circumstances and I think no, quitted herself I really, under those circumstances. We're going to talk about her later. I, I yeah, I you,
3: you can't get a Brit to get an uh, honest answer out of this one. I'm
1: giving you an honest answer, James. Oh my gosh. My gosh I my mean, I,
3: I love her for a number of reasons. I love her little outfits and everything, but the whole
1: yes. oh, thing, if you bubble. It's hard to
2: know if we're talking about Lady Gaga or the Queen right now. I think we're talking about the
1: Queen. I mean, well, we're talking about, talk
2: about Lady Gaga. So, We're
1: talking about the same thing all the time, Queens. <laughs> this topic never varies. <laughs> it's Queens talking about Queens on Queens. Queen Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a break. Just before we go to break, I'll tell you, RuPaul's Drag Race UK Series 4, coming next week, September 22nd, on WOW Presents Plus Worldwide. That's Randy's birthday, September oh. 22nd. Um, Boy George, Ollie Alexander, Mel B, FKA, Twigs are all guests um i love Ali alexander
3: oh i love all of them actually spoiler alert
2: i was there and it's a super impressive season it's a really it's it's tough
1: it is we have paused in the uk all promotion of the season until after the funeral on the 19th that is a a requirement um but it's three days later you'll be able to watch it in all its glory hallelujah Hallelujah, God save the Queen, what have you. All right, we'll be right back after the break.
0: You're listening to World of Wonders, WOW Report, things that make us go wow.
1: Welcome back to the WOW Report. I'm Fenton here with James, Steve James, Tom Campbell, and Blake Jacobs. All right, well, let's keep carrying on, counting down top 10 things that make us go wow. We've reached number seven.
0: Number seven.
2: I was in the UK, I was flying back, I, for once, uh, didn't sleep the whole flight. I watched Apple TV, two shows from Apple TV that I've never gone to Apple TV. And if you guys have talked about these already, forgive me. I'll just, Severance, amazing show. I'll tell you the first. And I watched Ted Lasso finally. And I was, my pants were charmed off of me. I'm sitting here in my boxers as we speak. Um, Severance, which is directed by Ben Stiller, stars Adam Scott. I love him. Christopher Watkins in it, John Turturro, Patricia Arquette, and uh, a, an actress I hadn't seen before named Britt Larson. Oh, yes. here's the premise, and I'm not going to get—I'm not going to give spoilers or anything. But no one, because I know these things are on, but no one stops. They assume you know or don't know. Severance is genius. It's about it's 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 living parallel lives in the same body, and the idea is there's this corporation. That's sort of biotech, you know, all those evil things. And in order to work like in the fifth basement level, which is like high security, you agree to have a chip put in your brain that means whenever you cross a certain threshold in the building, when you're at work, you don't remember anything about your outside life. And then at the end of the day, when you go back, you enter back into your life. Wow. It's really good. I'm only like three episodes in so much rich, you know, who knows from downstairs, who knows from upstairs. You, James, we can work together downstairs and see each other in the real world and have no idea who we are.
3: Well, that sounds lovely.
2: <laughs> and uh, I know, and it's sort of how I live. Um, <laughs> the only thing I'm going to say that self is self uh, referencing is Adam Scott was in the very first action adventure script show I ever helped create and produce. Fenton may remember, you may remember, at 21. Dead at 21 at MTV. And it was all about a kid who had a chip put into his brain. Jack knows where he played the lead. And, sure, and but and he had one year to live. He was 20 years old and it starts going bad. And he has one year to find out who made him, how to stop, or else he'd be dead at 21. The 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 it was a it was an annual experiment, and Adam Scott played the crazy one going to and he had a chip in his brain. Okay, severance, you owe me money. Second, <laughs> Ted Lasso. Now it uh, it's reminds me of a modern day for a Capra movie, or what were those like, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It's about American enthusiasm. Um, Ted Lasso is like a a, a college uh, football coach who gets hired by the ex-wife of a soccer, you know, football in England, soccer team. She hires him, unbeknownst to him, to basically tank her team. She wants to get back at her husband by destroying the soccer team. So she brings this fish out of water, Ted Lasso, who is this upbeat, inflappable, against all arts. The whole stadium is like, wanker, wanker, wanker. They hate him. But the, the ensemble cast, including Hannah Wed- uh, Waddingham, who won last year for supporting actress. Juno Temple, who plays kind of like posh spice to Beckham. Uh, Phil Dunster is amazing. Nick Muhammad plays Nathan, this little uh, like water boy who ends up being sort of like a genius. And... Uh, and and Brendan Hunt plays sort of Beckham, and you see him in his underwear, James, if that, that will make you sample.
3: But Here's uh, the thing about, about Ted Lasso that I don't quite, I can't quite understand, and maybe you can explain it to me. Have you and watched it? No, okay. and I don't want to watch it because nothing about what you just said interests me in the slightest, and yet... Everybody says that it's the best show ever on television. And, and I, I
2: tapped into it. It's, it's sort of the Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It's Elwood's Woods in Legally Blonde. It's about the character that is inflappable. And in this world where everything is corrupt and wrong and people want to undercut you, he, here is this sort of like we weebles wobble but we won't fall down character who is kind of, he's from Oklahoma or Kansas or something. He's kind of um, red state in his origins, but he's blue state in his intellect and his heart, it's its stunning. I i avoided it all this time. And yeah. I have to tell you, they're both great. Okay, last story is, so uh, uh, Jason Sudakis won for Best Actor. And I was at the Emmys, Ted Lasso. And, you know, when, once you go out and do the press tour, you come back in. So he's walking by our table. I'm newly in love with Ted Lasso. And I say, hey, Ted Lasso. He looks at me. We're seven feet apart. I'm like, oh, my God. I love you, Will Arnett. <gasps> I called Jason Sudakis, Will Arnett, in front of him. So Jason, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Will, if you're listening, Will, by the way, presented. So he was in my mind. Um, Will, if you're listening, you're welcome. Um,
3: uh, That's worse than
2: me calling Mel B, Mel C. I couldn't get. I couldn't take it back. We all kind of pretended that he didn't hear, but he heard. Oh. So so at the height of your career, Jason Zadakis, you can still <laughs> run into a douchebag like me who misidentifies you. So that's my um, – but I cannot uh, – I I, I, I I have – I guess I've been paying for Apple TV all this time. <laughs> I didn't know it. Or maybe it's with my at and I don't know. But I have it. Severance, Ted Lasso, okay. two different shows, so great. I think I'm dipping deep into the Apple TV pool. It feels really quality to me. I don't even know if I
1: have it. I don't think I have Apple TV. I think if you have a Mac, you have Apple TV. Like, okay. when you buy a new computer, too, like you, or a new iPhone, I think you get it for like a few months. James, one word Severance. Okay, okay. Severance. I'll, I'll do it.
3: Let's move on. I don't on. Know I'll do Ted Lasso, but I'll do Severance. Okay. Let's move on number six.
0: Number six.
3: Have you seen the Babylon trailer that dropped this week? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Babylon is the new Damien Chazelle uh, movie, direct the director of La La Land. This is um a, set in the late 1920s, early 1930s Hollywood. It is about pre-code Hollywood decadence. It is uh, Oh, it sounds mixed delicious. characters, fictional characters. It is about the transition from talkies from silent to talkies. It stars Hang on to your hats. Uh, Brad Pitt in the role of his career that he was born to play, this goofy silent movie star. He's so handsome. A Margot Robbie, Gene Smart, Olivia Wilde, Toby Maguire, Chloe Fineman, Samara Weaving, Eric Roberts, Max Minghella, Spike Jones, and someone named Diego Calvert, Calvert, Calvin, something like that, who steals every scene that he's in. Apparently, the opening scene is 30 minutes long of a montage of Hollywood decadence that makes Fellini look like... That that out Fellini's Fellini. It is like Baz Luhrmann on steroids. It is... When have you ever had a 30 minute opening scene that is just showing you Hollywood in the late 1920s? The sex, the jazz, the the drugs, the I mean, just nutty, nutty, nuttiness. Um, Brad Pitt, like I said, looks amazing. Margot looks a little weird. She looks modern. I don't quite get it. But Margot has never had a bad movie as far as I'm concerned. Me too. She's fantastic um i it opens december 25th i predict it is going to be an oscar contender i think brad might get finally get his best actor oscar as well there were several laugh out loud moments in the trailer did you say december 25th december 25th we have to wait till christmas yes what's the story about um it is uh it's just i guess it is the story of hollywood in you know it's in So shown through the eyes of real characters and fake characters, and or you know made up characters from the movie, just about the the way things were in in Hollywood. I guess. What's Brad
1: Pitt doing? Like, what's his? He is—he's a
3: a very, um, sort of a piss elegant, uh, silent movie star who is, you know, sort of making the transition to talkies. And uh, he has this wonderful little, you know, pencil mustache, and he's always in little white tuxedos, and his hair is like—and he looks so good. But he just there's a scene where he's he he chokes on something, he falls out the window, and he's just doing like slapstick comedy the entire time. And he is so good; he just you forget how good brad Pitt can be. he's funny
1: because he's yes. so good looking i think he's been cast in sort of boring roles sometimes but in bullet train he's really funny he,
3: in bullet train at once upon a time in hollywood you go back to things like 12 monkeys in california and true romance he was hysterical in true romance mm. he when he when he chomps into a role he really takes it and runs with it so mm. I am very excited about this. We're going to put it on the WoW report, and I hope everybody gets a chance to look at this trailer because it it really, it outbazz Lerman's Baz Lerman is what it
1: does. (laughs) Can't wait. Number five. Number five. Transformer. Lou Reed's album. Hmm. Lou Reed's solo album, Transformer, in November will be 50 years old. And um, the reason I sort of rediscovered it was Simon Dunan. I was going to say, a, I
3: know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An you entire know, book about
1: the album called Transformer. And that's coming out on the release date in November. in November. But, you know, a lot went on in 1972. And the interesting thing about Transformer is it was produced by Bowie and Mick Ronson. And Bowie and Mick Ronson at the time were doing this. Like, Bowie would fillet Mick Ronson's guitar. It was that glam rock era mm-hmm. of spiders from mars ziggy stardust very sort of well simon calls it clam drogyne and it was i you know, as a 12 year old kid i remember how radical and freakishly radical it was and in fact a sort of uh almost an opening of the doors of perception you know of like oh my god there's a world out there that's like this and um it's such a great album right you've got walk on the wild side Telephone conversation, waiting for my man. Satellite of
3: love and perfect day. Perfect day is one of the most perfect songs Uh, of all time. Perfect Day, yes. Yeah.
1: I mean it It, is that's
3: one of those songs that will make me cry every single I'll hear the opening chords and just weep.
1: Which is not what you would expect from someone from the Velvet. I was just going to say,
3: when you have Waiting for Your Man and, you know, all the Velvet Underground stuff, to see him go to that, this transition is Mm -hmm. just, it is fascinating to watch that transitional
1: period of him. And I think Simon rates this really profoundly amusing, interesting, compelling book, but also points out a couple of things. One is that the album was not well received at the time and Mm -hmm. has only gone on in over the years to become a legendary milestone album. One. Well,
3: I would imagine that the Velvet Underground had, the, it, I remember the Banana album went through the same thing, didn't it? It came right. out to bad reviews and nobody yeah. bought it and it's only become
1: more, right. You know,
3: that's, that's sort
1: of a, a thing in his life. Number two, Lou Reed didn't really embrace the glam rock thing. He kind of hated it and kind of distanced himself from the album because number three, glam rock, and I have never noticed this, really wasn't that gay it was actually mainly straight acts and the New soul, York dolls, the five of the straightest people alive, Danny yeah. Field said, and then, and the fact that it sort of got retro subsequently adopted, it's almost rewritten history. And, and glamor was kind of straight and jocks. And the single exception to that, of course, was Jabriath, who said he was gay and was very open about it. Massive, like, failure you yeah. Know? so i i think it's a really fascinating case study and um the the book is is it's only 158 pages and simon is such a brilliant writer i actually i'm gonna make him come on the show in november if we can get him when the when it's the actual 50 years but such an important album and also what an insane amount of creativity like Hunky Dory, Bowie's Hunky Dory came out at the end of 71, so essentially 72. Then in June, Ziggy Stardust and Spiders from Mars, that whole album. And then in November, Transformer. I mean, like, just a sort of these amazing like, it's sort of like Warhol too, I guess. Like, you know, everything happened in 1962 for Warhol, you know? Just fascinating. Tom?
2: <laughs> that zeitgeist bubble kind of thing that happened. Yes.
1: Oh, here's a question though. Do you know the the word "naff"? How the origination of the word "naff"?
3: I have a funny story about "naff" after this, but yes. Well,
1: because it, the whole idea is that you had glam rock, and then kind of counter to that was all this sort of everything that was "naff." You know, the queer community was. Is that, naff is a is a polari word. I was going to say yeah. That stands for not available for fucking. That. <laughs> And that's how I always
3: associate it with sort of like housewifey, like sort of a housewifey style type thing. Um, When, when I, uh, if in 1985, 86, when Boy George and Marilyn had taken over the New York club scene. And they were very much mean girls to me. And every time they'd see me, they'd say, she's a bit naff, isn't she, about me. And I had no idea what naff was. And I would walk around and say, boy, George just said I was
0: naff.
3: And I thought it was such a compliment, but I was actually, they were being very nasty to me. Full
2: disclosure, yep. right right now, I'm naff. I'm not available for fucking, but I'm getting my monkey pox shot, I
1: think, later today. So I'm on my way. I'm on Good my way. Good for you, Tom. I mean, we can all hope, right? But- exactly. Fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> hope springs eternal with Tom Campbell <laughs>
3: and the monkey pox. <laughs>
1: Well, I heard that if there's a line, it's always just hot, lovely people in line. You know. Yeah, I think I'm drop. probably going to be in the middle group by now. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to take a quick, quick break, and we'll be right back after the break.
0: You're listening to World of Wonders' WOW Report. Things that make us go wow.
1: Hey, welcome back to the WOW Report. I would just say two-time winner of RuPaul's Drag Race, Jinx Monsoon, has a new show. Coming to Wow Presents Plus. It's kind of Portlandia meets kids in the hall. Strange and brilliant comedy sketch series called Sketchy Queens. There's nothing like it on Wow Presents Plus. It's a breath of fresh air. It's genius. It's absolutely genius. Features celebrity guests Trixie Mattel, Brittany Broski, and Brandon Rogers as well. So that's September 15th, Wow Presents Plus, Sketchy
0: Queens. And another little self-promotion, if I'm not on the edit room floor, there might you might see me in it. Oh, good!
2: We'll well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna put money on that one. I was gonna see. We'll,
0: gonna... we'll see. I don't know because of my many scandals going on. I might be cut out.
1: Uh, we'll cut this bit out of the show, Blake. It's okay. You'll be <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, number four. Number four. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm suggesting we have hat, we have headgear for each of our stories moving forward. I want to talk <laughs> just a little tiny bit, James, about the passing of Queen Elizabeth. And um, here's what I take away. I was in, Lon- I was in London shooting a show um, when it happened. We'd been told for years shooting Drag Race and Queen of the Universe that when the Queen passes away, there'd be a state-ordered eight-day mourning. And, we so, and so the last day we were shooting we were putting on, we were letting the audience in to the queen of the universe. And there, it's like the queen is dead. The, like, like everyone, Michelle Visage knew she knew someone in the palace. She knew ahead of everyone else. And we were like, do we go on? I was just so afraid the whole city was going to shut down. Indeed. It did not all shut down. Um, it's, it's hard. I can't even begin to understand what the queen meant to, for 70 years to a country. She's like water there. Right. She's just always there. And, and I, um, I didn't. I was going to do a Buckingham Palace, but then I felt like an outsider. When I got home that night, I watched a, lots of tributes, which had been pre-produced, and um, newsreel footage that had been compiled of just her, in, you know, her entire reign. Here's my only takeaway because there's too much to um, break break down pro con all that kind of stuff. Is all these years later, Charles is king camilla is eventually is essentially queen and think of all the drama that was created by keeping those two apart and princess diana and her tragic passing the only like a 70-year lifespan gives you perspective of like the little stuff doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter just get along people that's what i take away from the queen's passing what you guys think
3: well, Jay. I liked her little outfits. I always liked her little matching coats and jackets and dresses and the little sensible shoes and sensible handbags and the hat that matches. I loved the Queen for many, many reasons. I um uh I like Harry and uh, Megan being there and walking with with you know Char um William and Kate. I thought that was very touching. Yes. Um uh I loved when uh charles had the meltdown over the pen i love that that is my i, I <laughs> that, the, that got me my juices flowing boy that was like a kid, game of thrones moment where you see the future
1: <laughs> it's not the first moment either because when he signed up to be king remember there was a, a sort of pen set on the desk and he was well, that's, that's the what I'm talking, that's the oh, one I'm talking about that's what i'm talking about and well, had the other the one place? where
3: I saw where it was melt. Yes, and he the guessed- best
1: one is the leaking pan. Yes, the so leaking like, pan. That is well. There's two, but, there's- but yeah. that,
3: that gives me hope that we might have a crazy king in the future. <laughs> that that he's a nutty
1: sort of control freak. Can I just but- say? Can I just play? What I know you got about there, but just one moment. It's like he's signing the thing, and he says, "Oh, what day is it?" And the aide says, "Oh, it's the thirteenth, your sir." Uh, and then, so, oh, bugger, I wrote the wrong day. And as he's writing it, Camilla, who's standing there, says, you wrote the 12th earlier. <laughs> so there's this sort of squabble about what day it is. And then he stands up, and oh, all this bloody thing, the pen's leaking. <laughs> it, is, it is a moment for the ages. And I will say, nothing that would have ever happened with Queen Elizabeth, no, so, no uh, that's
3: just it. That's just, and it is. You can see on The Crown on a future episode of The Crown, it's going to be a whole episode. Ah, leaky <laughs> pen, <laughs> leaky pen, and then you know the 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 thing that was on the desk and get God, get rid of it. it freaks out, and there's going to be all sorts of behind the scenes, blah blah. blah. But I do, um, I do think that the American press greatly overestimated our interest in this when we've got so much going on with the mar-a-lago and donald trump and the s- subpoenas and this and that where you have literally 23 and a half hours a day following uh the queen toddling her way down from from Scotland. i watched i watched that first night i saw the footage i had my
2: emotional catharsis yeah. and i'm no longer interested not in a mean way but like no. It's it's like watching paint dry, and also hearing people. Oh, she did love hooker. Hulk so everyone's speculating. It's like you know. Yeah. I'm and, waiting and, for the big funeral process.
3: Yes, it once every 70 years this happens in in the UK, and God bless them. Go bananas, you guys. You deserve yep. it. It's all on you. But in America, I don't think we need 10 channels of news covering 23 and a half hours a day about it. I just don't. And it got and it really irritated the fuck out of me. By about. I have one so word 30, for 30, you, 30. James severance on apple tv <laughs> apple, or, or gummies as, as we were talking about before the
1: show <laughs> well i'll just wrap this up by saying the funeral is on uh, monday the 19th so maybe we'll next week have a little that ride. i will watch mm, mm, bound to be big um number three james st james we haven't heard from you all all this episode
0: number three
1: I
3: wanted to say that there are a couple other in Powers that happened this week that I think we need to acknowledge because they aren't getting sort of the attention that they would normally. Um, the first was uh, yesterday we learned the passing of photographer Roxanne Lowett who is uh, someone who has been on the New York scene forever and ever and ever and ever. She is, a, a, by all accounts, a wonderful, wonderful woman. She does mostly behind-the-scenes fashion at fashion shows, fashion parties, things like that. But she's also sort of a Patrick McMullen-esque character who is just always downtown, always taking pictures of people, always being very uh, promoting people, promoting the queens, promoting the kids, promoting the you know club kids and things um she uh, promotes uh, she helped mentor a lot of photographers god bless her may she rest in power she she, she, fabulous fabulous pictures just um hashtag Roxanne on instagram you'll be blown away Ken Starr died too he was the uh yes the special counsel who uncovered the Bill Clinton affair with Monica Lewinsky and the only reason I'm bringing him up is because Monica Lewinsky showed such grace and class yesterday when she tweeted she said um uh, as many of you can understand uh my thoughts about ken starr are complicated but more important is that i imagine it's a painful loss for those who love him which is i mean it, sure, yeah. that isn't, uh, wasn't yeah.
2: he also involved in covering up uh sexual Trump. assault oh yes young girls Bad yeah guy. i mean
3: he's a terrible guy and he was on trump's um he was trump's lawyer during the first impeachment so i mean like uh, horrible yeah. thing, but just what, listening to monica who has every reason to bitch and moan yes. about him mm-hmm. she, she was very the high good road. she took the um, high road also jean paul godard died this week which he did you even know that he was still alive no no shocking 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 um uh He didn't have much success in his later life after Breathless and AlphaVille um did you i were you a fan did you do you know those movies i've of- heard of them i don't think
2: i've ever seen them but i look forward to seeing them someday soon Alphaville is
3: a really spectacular french new wave uh science fiction movie uh that kelly osborne remade as a music video if you have if you just want to get the two minute version watch <laughs> kelly Osbourne. um uh also um uh woman is a woman is a good one and also contempt with uh
1: um, Catherine Deneuve. And did uh, William Klein die too? <clears throat> I was just going
3: to say, yeah, William Klein too, the photographer who did so many fe- spectacular cityscape pictures in the 50s, 60s, 70s of New York. And uh, uh, newsman Bernard Shaw also passed away. Oh, that's right. Yes, Good Bernard job. Shaw. What a, what a,
2: a incredible, the morning of the Queen, but what a, he lived a long, rich life. What a contribution. What what a representation for black reporters. um,
3: The first reporter on
1: CNN, wasn't he? He may have been. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps. It was a bumper week. The Grim Reaper has been really busy, busy, busy. All right. Number two. Number two. I want to talk about the queen. And I went on. Ah. Uh about 10 years, actually, yes, 10 years ago, we made a film called uh, In Vogue, The Editor's Eye. And that's very much when I fell in love with Vogue and Anna Wintour, just a sort of, to me, she's a sort of, she's a sort of Warhol figure in my estimation. And uh, of course, now Vogue is now, uh, 2022, 130 years old. And they celebrated by doing this thing called Vogue World. And... I was like, well, you know, you see a little thing advertising it, and it it was a live streaming thing. And I actually just put it in the calendar and watched Vogue World. It was was a fashion show. It was in the meatpacking district. They basically just took a street, and they had all these people walk down the street in different fashions. Supposedly, this season's fashions. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. But they had, and it was such an interesting mix of people. I was like, i think i saw that Uh, i saw a clip of him yeah right Uh, brooklyn peltz beckham and his wife Mm. um kanye west was so late that it looked like he was walking down the street but he was just walking to his seat um serena williams opened the show oh in the
3: silver the silver cape thing Yes. yes
1: and it was so interesting it was interesting because it was sort of like a fashion show but it wasn't really and also because it was different looks from different collections It didn't feel very cohesive. It was extraordinarily diverse. It was sort of more like a sort of parade, and of of five hundred people. And of course, I didn't know who any of them were, really. I mean, it was a mixture of models and celebrities. It was just really extraordinary. And um, they played one of the tracks was "Din Dada, Din Dada, Din 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 Dada." Was it the Kevin Aviant version? Well, that's. That's sort of where I'm going with this. And then they played Vogue, Madonna's Vogue, which I think actually is, I think that track, even though it had nothing to do with Vogue magazine, I somehow feel it was the shift that made Vogue, to, to sort of put Vogue into the modern era. Even though it was nothing to do with Vogue, I felt somehow it elevated the whole idea of Vogue and fashion. Um, I suppose obviously- I like this idea
2: so much more than what the Met Ball has become.
1: Yes.
2: I'm not it's- saying the Met Ball should go away. That's not my decide. But, idea. Benton, leave the broadcast early. Email your friend Anna and say, I would like to produce next year's Fashion Boulevard. Because it sounds more exciting like it's a parade it's all these things it
1: it, it was so it was so diverse not just diverse in a woke sense diverse in every sense and it was also in some sense very understated uh it wasn't as you say tom exclusive or elitist in its feeling and it was just interesting and the fact that um that of course Anna was there and there were plenty of shots of her and of course sat next to her i couldn't make out who it was because it's quite dark and it wasn't perfectly lit which i also like because it was it was street yes and i think that that's what's been so interesting about fashion since vogue the single is that it's really all been about street and this was genuinely street okay so it was in the meatpacking district which isn't really street street it's sort of elite street it's cobblestone street Street, though though. cobblestone street but then sitting right next to it was Lil nas x who just gets up from his seat and did the closing song and i I this was, is a media event that needs to be produced by World good. of Wonder, Fenton. Yeah. Wow.
3: It was good. I'm dying to get your hands on Little Nas X for uh, I know uh, year and a half
1: again. now. So my God, my God, and um in the world, the Wow treatment. It was just so. It was kind of nice, James. And I know you, James, are very over fashion, but I also felt in a way, it felt slightly like this was post fashion, because I feel that it, 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 it was a bit. You know, as at the Lady Gaga concert, looking at people in the audience, and honestly, most of them looked terrible. They were wearing all their own outfits and everything, and it, it just oh. wasn't fashion. It wasn't good. Oh. people looked like they just You're been thinking. you coming digging. for the little monsters?
3: Well, they awesome. all look like they're at Halloween
1: or something. No, not <laughs> exactly, Tom. It looked, and the similarity between that and Vogue World, they were kind of similar. And what Lady Gaga said at one point in the concert was, you know, it looks like a lot of people are here who know who they are. And that was the thing. Even though there wasn't a cohesive look, and even though I wouldn't say it was chic, what was really strong and undeniable, that people knew who they were and were being who they wanted to be. And I felt that was an amazing, inspiring thing.
2: Gay pride meets fashion week yeah. meets the Thanksgiving parade. Talk to me after this,
1: Fenton. It all song. connects, right? Yes. Yeah. All right, let's take one more break. And then we'll reveal the number one thing that made us go wow. Just quickly, Drag Race Philippines airing now. New episodes on Wednesdays uh, on WOW Presents Plus with Untucked 2, by the way. Uh, all right, we'll be right back after the break.
0: You're listening to World of Wonders, WOW Report. Things that make us go wow. All
1: right, we're back. It's Benson here <laughs> Tom and James. And Blake, who is going to reveal this week, number one thing that made us go, wow. Blake?
2: Number one.
0: What is the New York Times bestseller this week? I want to guess. Is the author Tabitha Brown?
2: Mm, I don't know. Tabitha it's Brown just... is, is incredible. She has a, she's a New York Times bestselling author. We work with her. She has a show called uh, It's Complicated on Food Network, and she's an amazing human being and spiritual guide and soul. She's for another day. I
1: love Tabitha. Anyway. I have a guess. Is it A.A. A. Milne uh, Winnie the Pooh? No. Uh, James?
3: Well, I it's, it's you just read this on the plane going to Arkansas. I mean, you just had the audio version. It's Jeanette McCurdy. I hate my mother.
0: Yeah. Or I'm glad my mother's dead. Oh. I'm glad my mother died. Yeah. I just read this. Jeanette McCurdy was on iCarly. She played the the kicky sidekick and she you wrote this book. She's been touring it all over. We were just talking about book tours before the show. Um, she was on the view, and her mother was mentally, physically, even sexually abuse, abusive to her growing up. She but she's come out on the other side of it, she's quit acting. She's now a writer in Hollywood, and she has the number one Times bestseller list. And I couldn't re- recommend it enough.
1: Did she and, play Simon, and, Salmon and and Cat too? Yes. Oh, I loved her. Yeah. Ariana Grande.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And There's, her mother was
3: just was pretty batshit crazy. She This the title of the book is shocking. The first time I heard it, I was like, "Wow!" And I thought I didn't realize that it would be as beloved as it is, and it's so it's it's amazing for her that she's able to to sort of get some therapy by writing it.
0: And she went to therapy and that's where she realized that her mother was abusive. She always held her mother, you know, up on a pedestal. Of course. And she went to therapy for anorexia that her mother taught her how to do to, you know, stay young for these kid roles. And mm-hmm. the therapist was like, this sounds like abuse. And she left the therapist like, how dare you? But then eventually went back to another therapist and worked through it. She realized it and I, it's just really good. Wow. Oh wow, that
3: sounds great. Have yeah. you read it, James? No, I haven't, but I'm I'm interested in it now,
1: definitely. And does she read the book?
0: She does. Me? That's another thing I love on audiobooks when the author reads the book, because I feel like they actually know what you know, they read it in the voice that they
1: Right. Can't blame it on the edit. You wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I
0: also wanted to tell you guys, I saw the most fun horror film I've seen in forever. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen next.
1: Is it the Winnie the Pooh horror film? No,
0: it's oh. not. But I, I have heard You're of all that, about too.
3: Winnie the Pooh this week, aren't you? You're on a well, little
1: poo kit. I'm it, on a poo rage. Yeah.
0: It, it just, Winnie the Pooh just came back into, like, the public domain, right? Yes. Um That's That's why they made that horror film. But anyway, this was sort of, this movie that I saw was sort of two films in one. It starts out straight horror. It cuts to another story introducing the second main character, who is a famous, kind of has been, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. It's kind of like a new horror genre, rental house horror, where people rent Airbnbs. (laughs) Like, it's foreign rent a girl. A girl pulls up to her recently flipped Airbnb in a really rundown neighborhood of Detroit because she has like a job interview the next day. And then only to discover to her horror that someone else had already rented the, the Airbnb. But she ends up like deciding against all odds to stay there with this guy who is actually Bill Skarsgård, who is an executive I producer. Bill yeah the main the main horror character is amazing um the theater was packed on a tuesday night and everyone was laughing and jumping and spilling popcorn everywhere even touches on the me too movement go see the movie barbarian barbarian yes
3: but now, that wait a minute, you awesome just made movie. me go see Bodies, 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 and you said that was the best horror movie
1: you've ever seen. So this is even care?
0: better, than that. That, is better than that. that was last yeah. week. That was last year.
1: I like that Airbnb horror movie as a genre. I think there's something, something there, yes.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: And then you're not going to tell us who's in it? Is it Charlene Tilton?
0: <laughs> no, it's not Charlene Tilton, but good guess.
1: Lisa um, Hartman.
0: No, it's an actor. Richard Simmons, an actor who plays an actor, but Beautiful. I just want you to like not know as much as okay. I didn't know because okay. I read basically that a girl discovers that she's sharing an Airbnb and decides against all odds to stay with the guy, and that's like all I knew. Barbarian, okay. barbarian,
1: okay, not to be
3: confused with medieval, which is also out at the same time. I got them a little
1: confused when I was at the movie the theater. <laughs> Thanks, Blake. Uh, Thank you, James. Thank you, Tom. Good to see us all again. Um, Same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go. Wow. Wow.
2: Wow.